Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday, May 18th, and you're listening to episode number 547. I am your host, Steve, the Elden Lord. Say, that's right, I have legally changed my name as of this past weekend. I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Uh, paraphrase Jim Morrison, spiders in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Brachino. Danger Zone. John Burkle. Highway to the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Uh, danger Zone. <laughs> Melissa Megan, are you a fan of the Danger Zone? Have you I'm, ever been there? I'm leaving now. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Shortest guest ever. <laughs> I'm not telling you guys about my comics. I'm just leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, for more on that, listen to after the after the music. I'll put something in the after credits for you uh, for you all to hear some pretty some pretty good golden off the uh, off the air stuff. Uh, hello, welcome. We have lots of comics to talk to you about. We have tons of comics this week, actually. A uh, couple of newsy bits, a couple of really cool announcements going on, and uh, of course, we have Melissa here back Woo-hoo! again. I am here. Yeah. Thank it. you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know. Yes. Yes. yes finally, the, the ritual is complete. Wow. All right. Um, so I got the platinum trophy in Elden Ring. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. You did that. Uh, about 138 hours, 190 something levels. Uh, I did everything. Not only did I do everything, I got everything, and I saw everything too. I uh, I dug into that game real deep and lost myself to it for a while. Loved every moment of it, all timer. Uh, really, really happy. That's my first platinum trophy for a From Software game, and uh, I just wanted everyone to know. <laughs> now we can move on. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't really know. We don't have, we have a bunch of banter. Um, why don't I throw it to you for a second, Melissa? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, Steve. You're I, welcome. I have not played Elden Ring, but I've heard that it's very challenging. So I think that what you achieved is probably a big deal. I think I like 9.8% of players have gotten the platinum. I know a lot of people that have gotten the platinum. It is not an impossible thing to do. It is just a very time-consuming. You need dedication to do it. Mm -hmm. You need to research to do it. Um, But I loved almost every moment of it. It was an emotional roller coaster uh, that final day when realizing that after I'd played through the game a second time, 
that I thought I screwed something up and would have to play it a third time to get the platinum. Um, there was about five minutes there where I was pretty devastated. And then I figured it out and all was well and everyone lived. Uh, what are you playing lately? I've been playing actually a lot of VR. Um, I got a, an Oculus, a Quest. Uh, ooh. And I've had the PlayStation VR for like two years, but I haven't played it really much at all because it's a big pain in the ass to hook up and play. Um, it is, but have you played Astro's, uh, Astro's, no, it's not Astro's Playroom, it's I, the yeah. other one, um, like Astro Mission something? Uh, I know, and not on VR. Oh, um, you have to go back and play that. It's, I'm going to find the, the actual name for you. I find the PlayStation VR such a pain in the ass to, to connect, and there's so many wires, and it's really annoying 100%. to use. Um, yes, it is worth it for this game, I'm telling you. Well... We got an Oculus. I picked up one actually secondhand just because I was curious um, and ended up loving it so much that I've been playing it daily. And then for Mother's Day, uh, my partner got me a second Oculus so that my son and I can play together. Cool. Because we were having so much fun with it. So we've been playing a lot of like Beat Saber. Um, I've actually started like exercising more again because I fell in love with Supernatural, which is like a boxing um oh yes 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 i've seen that. boxing and then there's like bats where you do sort of a beat saber type thing with bigger movements um but it's super fun and i've been doing all that stuff i just started playing the room in vr which is really fun and creepy um, oh yes the puzzle game okay. yeah i bet that's much better in vr i've tried playing it on the playstation and there's something about the movement that uh it's all wavy it makes me sick yeah um much better in vr it's good in VR, yeah. That's... Have you played Resident Evil 7 in VR? And I will not. I will not play. No. Oh. I think the room is probably as creepy as I'm going to get. Like, I love scary things, but I can't play scary games. That's way too, you know, what's the word? Uh, it's too real. Yeah, it's too real. It's too all-encompassing for me. I can't do it. Um, yeah, uh, Resident Evil 7 in VR, is. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it is terrifying no i've been playing uh playing a ton of supernatural and um what else have i been playing uh max and i have been playing something called zenith together which is like a big open world game where you run around and you can be a mage or a warrior and you know just kill a lot of stuff and get lots of xp and stuff um nice yeah it's it's super fun and it gives me something kind of more to engage my bratty 10 year old in since he doesn't want to play anything besides minecraft and roblox these days so um (laughs) i managed to get him to play with me again (laughs) that's my life now desperately trying to get my kid to still think i'm cool (laughs) is he a whale for robux is he like buying in deep oh it's just terrible i think we've talked about this before but that game is just it's it's just designed to manipulate children (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and it's the worst design game in the whole world. And it makes my brain hurt to watch him play it. Um, but, you know. John, he'll play John does your me. kid play? What's that? Does, John, does your kid play Roblox? No. My Sawyer's obsessed with Pokemon Diamond. and I'm so mine, jealous. It, yeah. So, <laughs> and he still plays uh, Minecraft. But uh, our neighbors were really into Pokemon. And he told them that a new one's coming out in November. And. Yeah, man. Yeah, not, weed cat. Scarlet. Scarlet and uh, what's the other one? Violet and Scarlet, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to be on those. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. I would love working. if I could get Max into Pokemon. 
Oh, Sawyer just came back to it. I, I, I'm, I think his venom phase might be waning as what? he's getting back into it. Oh, it was Thank so short. God. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm still going to read that book until Brian Hitch leaves, and I'll bring it back to the show again and again <laughs> and again. <No. laughs> Melissa, is it Max into the the Zelda game that was on Switch? Breath of the Wild? Yeah, yeah get him yeah. Arceus. Arceus is basically Breath of the Wild, but with Pokemon. Yeah, he. I can get him into Pokemon like once every couple months. He'll play it for a short period, but it never holds his attention for long. Oh, dude, I clock like six hours a day on that game. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, one last question, and then we're going to move on to some comics. Uh, have you played the new Nintendo Switch Sports yet? Uh, no. <sighs> no, I got to be honest, right. dude. Ever since I got the Oculus, like playing... <laughs> switch movement games or playing on playstation vr just feel really like inferior now <laughs> she's plugged in well listen she's, yeah. she's plugged in she's not gonna be able to it really does. i mean it's just like i've tried all the motion stuff and like it's just none of it is as comfortable and easy as playing on the oculus so i do, it's hard to go back to it now never forget your roots <laughs> this you is know? so beyond switch now I know, man. You you might be too cool for this podcast. I, I don't know. <laughs> I played the fitness boxing game on Switch for a long time, and I liked it. But like, it was oh. though, you had to work so much harder to get it to read all your movements. You know. I know. I I took it back to the store. I was like, this is not for me. You had to like <laughs> what the Ring Fit? No, Ring Fit was no the awesome. fitness boxing. But the boxing one I got, yeah. and you have to like oversell so hard that like I was yeah. starting to injure myself, and I was like, this I did. Is not- <laughs> Yeah, I injured my shoulder a couple times. Yeah, just, like, you could throw out your shoulder overthrowing those hooks. It's bad. How'd you get hurt? Boxing? <laughs> On my Pretend boxing? Yeah. <laughs> In my living room. <laughs> All right. Uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, Melissa. If you ever hook up your PlayStation VR again, Astrobot Rescue I'll Mission. I'll think about it. It is... <laughs> it is like a Mario 3D platformer and you're right there and it is the most brilliant thing that I've ever played on VR. I love it so much. All right, let's move on to some lightning rounds. Whoa, when you said that, literal lightning happened outside my window. Listen, not only am I the Elden Lord, I am also Zeus. There's a thunderstorm coming, so if I drop out, it's been nice knowing y'all. Peace out. Uh, yeah, we got a couple of weather situations going on for a few of you out there. How are you Melissa, guys getting Bob it and... after us? I thought it was coming north. I don't know. Like, we had this thunderstorm all day today, and it just stopped raining, and now you guys are getting it. That's really weird. Maybe it's looping yeah. back around. Maybe it has a Maybe. mind of its own. <laughs> coming from the coast. It's, it's the, the storm multiverse. Geostorm. <laughs> Sharknado. <laughs> I wish. If only. <laughs> Bob, why don't you dazzle us with a lightning rush? Right. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> uh, I still have pre-orders in, so I picked up Wonder Woman number 787 by Michael W. Conrad, Becky Cloonan, Emanuela Lupacino, Wade Von Grohlbodger, Tom Bonvion, and Pat Brousseau. Here's the thing. As I've said before, Clunan and Conrad were, for my money, really hitting their stride before the Trial of the Amazons thingy. And this issue is honestly no exception. What with Dr. Psycho making a mess of things while out there assembling a new villainy incorporated. The good thing is it's also a bit disconnected from that trial, which certainly isn't a bad thing as far as I'm concerned, except that there's a two-page prologue where Nubia explains to Diana about 
what we've gained. Yeah, by the destruction of Themyscira and the murder-suicide of Hippolytus. So that just smells like fake news. So I'm, I'm good except for those two pages. Um, Batgirls number six, written by Becky Clark and Michael W. Conrad, gave them a two-for-two two thumbs up on this week's scorecard. With ultra-stylish art by Jorge Corona and Sarah Stern and Becca Carey uh, on, on the letters, uh, this wrap-up to the first arc really knocked out of the park for me. Some very old-school Babs' Oracle moments really touched off some nostalgia for Gail Simone's Birds of Prey. And honestly, this series' versions of Stephanie and, and Cass would have fit right into Miss Simone's iconic one. I am loving Batgirls. Captain America, Symbol of Truth number 1 by Toki Onobushi, R.B. Silva, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Carmanga was a very entertaining opening chapter for the 2022 Cap Corner of the Marvel Universe. First off, staying the obvious for a book with art by R.B. Silva and Jesus Arbutov, it's absolutely gorgeous. Kind of modern and retro in equal measure. Uh, Toshi Onobushi's story also treads familiar ground in that we open with the big action sequence kind of thing. We've seen it a gazillion times before in these number ones, certainly. But when we cut back to, as the caption puts it earlier, get some great banter between Sam and Misty Knight. Always love me some Misty. That gets into some deeper issues than the big heist than the story seems to be hanging on. And that does prove to be the case due to a third act reveal. Pays off the arc's title, Homeland. Also a double cliffhanger and a crazy coming next blurb to finish... Look, uh, I'm very intrigued by where this goes. I know there are some people in certain corners of the comic gate universe complaining already about this book. Good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I drink your tears, uh, sir. I'm I'm done. Um, so Batgirls, I didn't get to read it. I know Joey did, but my question, I know my question is this though, after last week, when we were trying to figure out when it ends, did we get like a to be continued? Kind of. Yes. There's a next. Yeah. It says yeah, there's whether, a next the story comes next. Yeah. I haven't seen any, it's not, it's not, so, there's, if it's there's coming, no it's not coming in the next two months. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, it's not like three months out. There's no books yet. But yeah. it says yeah. there's so a next June. story coming up. Yeah. Uh, maybe they have to get through all these deaths or whatever or their event. But, yeah, I, looking through the rest of May and into June, I do not yeah. see this list. Honestly, when I got to that last page and it said, like, up next and then, like, the title, uh, my first thought was, like, oh, wow, cool, more Batgirls. But then, like, I didn't see anything for Batgirl 7. So I was, like, I wonder if the characters are being – migrated over to like maybe some storyline or some event book or something. I don't know what's coming in the back, summer. Yeah, back up in a, another bat book. Yeah. Once it comes so back that's so like until I have Batgirl seven in my hand, I'm holding my breath, but there, there is a promise of future with these characters. So there's a, there's a cover online. When is it. it coming out then? Is it saying it doesn't say it says, yeah, Batgirl's number seven, the saints say their prayers. And it's um, Becky Cloonan, Robbie Rodriguez jumping on on art. Yeah. So it might be coming up probably in the fall. Yeah. It looks like. So there will be more. I hope so. It's cool that they're not closing the book on it. I mean, we, they should have. The book, we the book was yeah. awesome. Like, it was this last issue. The, the thing with Batgirls for me was, I'd say around issue th- three, 
is when like the tone and the narrative voice and the kind of story really picked up for me. The first two, I think was a lot of setup and it was just, it was just vibes. The first two was just vibes for me. It was really the last four issues that like, really, I got a handle of the plot. I love the characterization. The art is just fantastic. And then once that kind of narrative sense of humor came in, I was into this book every time it was the top of my pile. Um, and this last issue was an awesome closing, just chaotic from start to finish. Yeah. So I loved it. Uh, speaking of loving, I loved Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number one. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I've not read a lot of Captain America in the past. Like I've dipped my toe into the Ta-Nehisi Coates run, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I've only like kind of tapped in here and there. And Bob, like you're saying that these action sequences that kind of kick these off are a staple of the series. This action sequence in the beginning, like I felt like I was there. It was really intense. No, it, I, I agree with you, Steve. It, it's beautiful. That sequence is awesome. And uh, I'm, I I love Nick Spencer's. If you want to go back and read some good uh, Sam cap, go yeah. back and read Nick Spencer's. His Hydra cap was not good. Uh, but the, the Sam cap, the, the kind of the, the other series at that time was really well done. And I even like when Rick Remender and Stuart Immerman did uh, Sam cap way back in the day. So yeah. this book's awesome. Remender Sam cap was great. Nick Spencer, when he took over, Sam became cap. Yeah. yeah. In like, yeah. Within like three <laughs> issues. And then it was Cap Wolf versus the the Serpent Society. Yes, but they were like legit snakes. Like <laughs> that book got crazy, um, and that's where Nick Spencer was really shining when he was doing yeah. that. The Hydra Cap was what it was. Um, yeah. What is the what is the relationship history between Sam and Misty? That's uh, in they, the that's, that's in the Nick Spencer stuff. She kind of feeds him information on on big happenings and he's kind of she's like the intelligence and he's the go out and deal with it yeah. and then they're doing a, some uh they're doing some mouth haptics together too but it's not a date <laughs> but not a date not a date mm. better than spiders so yeah. were they together or yeah. no yeah 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 no. so where's danny she's not married this? she's about to danny isn't she no but, no right? no that, that was back during uh i mean yes i'll was, always that ship was that the, but that was Walker during the uh, yeah the Iron Fist stuff. Danny, I'm telling you, Danny is being phased out. <laughs> Fascinating. And what's up with his uh, with Sam's shirt? Is that a Hawkeye shirt that he's wearing? What? I don't know. I it looks look, like so. it's like he's got his sergeant chevrons going on there or something. Oh right, yeah, okay. Uh, it looked like an arrowhead, like a not no, an no, well, not an arrowhead, it, it, the uh, feathery part of the arrow. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> Oh yeah, it, I mean it looks very what? much like the quiver. The, no, that's where you keep your arrows. No, no, I'm gonna tail. find out. The tail of the arrow. In the, MCU, in the MCU, in the Marvel universe proper, he's not an army sergeant or whatever. No, so it could no. Be I was just it joking. It could be Hawkeye. Maybe he's yeah. He's just he's just. It looks like the David Aja version of the. Hawkeye shirt. You know, they're friends, I guess. Yeah. Who's really friends with Clint Barton, though? Like, I feel like Clint Barton's is always around, and everyone's like, Clint's okay. here. It's called his the wife is his friend of an arrow. Mm. What was that, Melissa? I said his wife is his friend. 
He's not married in the comics. He's not married in the comics. <laughs> He's not? He okay. was married. He was married. Then I guess he has no friends. <laughs> Mockingbird. Just Katie. He's got a he's got a list of exes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's enough. Steve's like, get it, let's get us back on track here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Next. <laughs> Joey. All right. Great transition. Uh, here we go. Seven Secrets, number 17, Tom Taylor and Daniel DeNicolo. This book opened with, my name is Ava, and I lost my shit. I was like, no! After the shocking events of last issue, here we are in the penultimate chapter with some secrets revealed and twisty turns. Things get wild. I'm going to miss this book a lot. We got one more issue coming out next month. Um, The thing I'm... This past year, you know, we've been reading a lot of Marvel DC on on the show, but Seven Secrets was always like that original, creative, fun, legitimately exciting book that was like doing its own thing, free from any, you know, IP. And in addition, it's also just a really wonderfully written and illustrated book. Um, But that was always a nice corner for me to go to if I was tired of like the superhero stuff or whatever. Um, So I'm going to miss it a lot. And I'm going to miss that book a lot. And uh, we got one issue left, June. Get ready. I'm not going to say anything about number 17. You got to read it. Uh, crossover number 13, Donnie Cakes and Jeff Shaw. If you thought Crossover was losing the plot <laughs> in the last few issues of the second arc, great news. So does Donnie Cates. Uh, the second arc <laughs> resolves in truly spectacular fashion as character Donnie Cates in the book written by Donnie Cates, the character of Donnie Cates, uh, and Ellie with her Valifax sword faces down Negan and Father Lowe. There's also a great Orion's belt pun in here too. Keep an eye for out for it. Um, as the issue was going on and the character Kate's was like, is going through like all this shit. Like he gets like wrecked in this issue. I legit thought several times, like, is this it? Is this the end of crossover? Is like Donnie Kate's like about to like, like ghost, like, like sneak, ca- sneak, cancel his own book right now. Um, I already have to come to terms with seven secrets. I can't lose crossover as well. And the issue even like teases it a few times. It's like, oh, what happens when I die? Like, will the book end? Blah, blah, blah. But then, woohoo! But then this book takes a turn. And the 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 cliffhanger of this book, I screamed out loud. <laughs> I screamed. And and it's we're gonna get more crossover. It's gonna continue. And I think like seven secrets, creative, original exciting crossover even in in what it's doing with all these characters we're familiar with still creative original and i'm having such a wonderful time with it it's one of my favorite books um some quick hits here naomi season two number three bendis walker and campbell doing amazing work with naomi lots of twists and turns this week and a much more active cliffhanger than previous issues it finally feels like the second season is finding its pace and its footing we're halfway there we're living on a prayer that Naomi finds some place <laughs> to land in the DC universe because, you know, he's, she's got this book. And as we talked about last week, she's starting to disappear from some of those Justice League books. And I'm nervous about it. Um, but she plays a huge role in Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number three, Brian Michael Bendis and Scott Godalewski with Ryan Cody. It's still called Justice League versus the, the Legion of Superheroes. There's no verses going on here. I still don't understand why it's called that. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, if you recall, this is about the great darkness. Ah, okay. <laughs> the gold lantern is like, <laughs> the gold lantern is like, oh, wow, maybe I could contain it in my ring. And then Naomi and Batman are like, didn't we putz around with a temporal villain a while, while ago in a swamp? Oh, yeah. His name was Epoch. And then Batman's like, 
what did Epoch say that one time in the swamp? Oh yeah, look out for gold lanterns. And then all goes great darkness and the Legion and the Leaguers get thrown all over time. It's crazy. And fans of Commandy, the last boy on earth, get hyped, y'all. It's happening. Uh, I I am loving this book. And for all of for the last few weeks that we've kind of been like Justice League crisis, all that stuff kind of blows. Um, I think Justice League versus Legion of Doom is like fun, high fantasy. Legion of Superheroes. I did Legion of Doom again. Yeah. Legion of Doom. Sorry. Legion of Superheroes. Temple of Doom. Um, I am having a ton of fun with this. Scott Godalewski's art also is, I talked about this last time, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes number two. That kind of artwork. And um, who's the guy that did the Young Justice? uh, Tom Tom Sims, something like that. John Timms. John John Timms. Tom Sims. John Timms. Like that. (laughs) kind of artwork is what I that's my favorite over on the DC side anything that kind of looks like that has that kind of boisterous energy that's what I want from from my DC books and and this is giving it to me and I love it Uh, also I don't know when issue 4 is coming out also not scheduled and I'm kind of nervous about that too Um, especially with Bendis kind of again getting phased out a little bit Um, last very quickly I finally they put the free comic book day Marvel stuff up on comiXology um, this was the Judgment Day Avengers X-Men Eternals preview book. Um, Kieran Gillen, Dustin Weaver on the main story, which serves as like a prologue to the upcoming Judgment Day. It was really cool. And even though I'm behind on Adern- Eternals, I haven't read Avengers in 10 years and <laughs> X-Men I'm kind of like back and forth on right now. This prologue got me actually kind of excited for uh, Judgment Day, um, which I might actually swing through. Um, Jerry Duggan and Matteo Loli do a Krakoa X-Men story with a wild cliffhanger and I don't know what's going on there. We'll see. And then Danny Lore and Karen Darbo do a story in it too that I was like, what is this vampire stuff going on? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's Daughter of Blade and I was yes. like, wow, we're doing it. It's been 10 years we're doing Daughter of Blade since they put that teaser out. So that Love was that. exciting as well. Um, but all in all, a fun comics week for me. That's all I'll say about nah. that. I have two questions since I'm already chiming in on things. Um, I noticed only by finally seeing it in print on the cover of a free comic book day, this this event is A-X-E-X. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? Who it's knew? like the body spray. Yeah. Uh, better. It's going to stink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other question wow. is, who is Uranus? <laughs> <laughs> when did he ever show he, up? He is Thanos' um, grandfather. Yeah. The original Eternal who has been kept in isolation. Okay. And, and it's it's something Gillen has brought into the his new Eternals book along with every time an Eternal dies and they're resurrected, a human has to die. Yeah, which okay. is so that's that was crazy. Because his, his yeah. dad is not that guy. No, it's yeah. it's, it's Thanos' lineage going back million years. Yeah, okay. that's the thing that like Gillen has really <laughs> Yeah. Gillen has really exploded out the Eternals mm-hmm. kind of lines, throwing it back to like their origins as well. Neil Gaiman, when he took it, he kind of narrowed it a lot. Yeah. Right? And really focused it on the celestials okay. thing, which is 
obviously what they kind of use for the film. But in terms of the Eternals and all these characters going back and back and back and their connections to all these different characters, Gillen's kind of returned to that kind of Kirby right. style of storytelling. Yeah, it, he's and he's got dense back matter. Like he's got the whole family trees laid out, and, and you can see who's linked to who. It, it's yeah. it's if you got to read it in one big chunk, but it's yeah. really well done. Okay. Although I, I will I'm... say the last issue, they had a substitute artist for Ribic, and it was. I don't want to. I hope some <laughs> European artist isn't listening to me right now. <laughs> it was. It was not what i wanted i'll oh. just say that oh but, i will say too on the free comic book day thing the mateo loliar and the jerry dugan story got a little wonky at times yeah it's hard it's hard it's hard being yeah, an artist yeah. you know definitely want to see some daughter <laughs> blade though i can tell you that after all i lost my mind this time yeah i was like i was, I was a fun reveal and i was like what is this and like one of the vampires is named like eternal with like you and yeah. i was like okay maybe it's connected to eternals or whatever and i was like what is happening i don't understand i like danny lore a lot so like we'll see what's going on here and then like on the very last panel of the story it's like a picture of blade and it's like your baby needs you and i was like what? Yeah. <laughs> joey did you go ahead, Melissa. Joey? I will read Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes if you read them to me. Oh, dude! <laughs> <laughs> read them to me because that sounded yeah. way more exciting than any Justice League book I've I, ever read. I'll also it's say this: great. it's a ton of fun. I I can tell there are some pages where I can tell DC or whoever was like, "Listen, Brian, we'll let you do this, but but that's it." Right, because some of it does seem a little, some of it seems a little rushed. Some of the panels seem a little like, oh, let's just do as much as possible in here and kind of get us through the story, centering Naomi the way that it does. I'm just like, this is clearly like it's one of the last things he's doing, right? Because Justice right. League is done, and it also doesn't make sense with Dark Crisis and the, no. the great darkness there. How are they dealing with it here? But. No, this book is phenomenal, and this is what I wished Bendis's entire Justice well, League had been. That's what I'm saying, and like, so the the swamp thing that they're talking about was that that's in, in the League? annual. That's the annual with Sanford Green that I talked about a few week, okay. weeks ago. It's really fun, and yeah. it's and it it it's beautiful. I mean, Sanford Green killed it. But it and, and then at the end of that it says to be continued in this. Yeah. So you almost needed to read that to understand some of this. Uh, I didn't. You're fine. I'll go back and read it, it though, because like if it's if it's like this is Bendis doing this right now, obviously with Godalewski's art as well, who's just killing it with this book. Mm-hmm. Um this kind of like chaotic, fun, just like every moment is just like bananas that's yeah. that's what i wish justice league was um it should be right i know right yeah. like you have like the most remarkable powerful superheroes like it should be bright yeah. colors and yeah. and super fun all the time and like bendis doing this book i'm like and then i go back to the dark crisis stuff and i'm like i can't i can't deal with it um yeah i will say this between this book and justice league dark crisis and all that stuff I still don't like Black Adam. I just <laughs> <laughs> please don't shoot another lightning bolt yeah. at it. Uh, and he was like, "That was the best option." And I was like, "No, it wasn't. Get out of here. I hate you." <laughs> I I love the aspect. This this has become one of those classic team ups. 
and how the team has been splintered. So you have like Ultra Boy and Aquaman somewhere. Yeah. You have the original three Legion of Superheroes stuck somewhere. You have Brainiac at the beginning. It's just, it's nuts. And it's just, it's got nostalgic feels back to those classic Justice Society, Justice League team ups. Oh. But it's got, it's so much fun. It's so just fun. fun. It's so fun. And there's a part where the Legion, like one of the Legionnaires, like Batman or someone is like, who's that guy? And the Legionnaire is like, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, we, there's so many, there's so many members of the Legion. I genuinely have no idea who that is. And I was the like, president of the Legion. I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, that's it. Like that Bendis has always, so sometimes to his detriment. Sure. And it's, there's well, tons of reviews that will point that out. But with the energy of this book, those kind of quips, I'm here for mm-hmm. it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Having a ton of fun with this book. Well, Don't know what it's called, but I love is, it. Yeah, Bendis' lighter side is incredible. He really can sell you on the banter between characters. It really hit home with knowing dialogue that you'd get. It's when it turns into 14 straight pages of 12 panel grids of talking heads. It's like, oh, oh classic. Stop. Don't, don't, don't do that to me anymore. But now we get twelve straight really pages good. of uh, now we get twelve straight pages of like those prose backup pages in a Hickman book. Like that's the new thing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. <laughs> oh, the professor. Mm. <laughs> John, you got anything else to say about Joey's books? Oh, you mean my my second lightning round? Because yeah, I second <laughs> round. Seven Secrets is crazy. I'm going to miss this book so much. I love this issue. It was crazy. And then crossover that last page. I lost oh, it. I, I was I, I, I like I was like yes because I didn't know where this book was going. I thought it was I I was like you was like is this it? Is there yeah. gonna be more? And then you see the twist, and all comic books have two types of creators, and here we go. And it's like this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait to see what happens now. Yeah, you turn that page, and it's just like giant letters, <laughs> and I and I. I screamed. I screamed yeah. out loud. Oh, so, if you're behind Dog so Crossover, you have to catch up. Yeah. So Sweet. good. So good. All right. I'll need to uh I'll need to check out both of those actually. All right. Hey Melissa, I don't know about you, hey, but I'm tired of hearing about these superheroes. You're right? <laughs> <laughs> um, would you like to do a lightning round? I mean, either one of us could really go because I read half of your books too. <laughs> um, whatever you want. You want me to go? We I'll read go. the same books. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. Well, what do you want to do? You, you want to? You want to go now? You go first. You're going in order. Let's stick with the order. I like it. No, well then, John should oh, have we to go John. next. We forgot. I'm John. okay with that. I'm okay. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't forget him. I was just mixing it up. I was trying to get you in the conversation. I read one of Steve's books too. All right, look, you know what? We're talking about my Just lightning round so much. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, friends, about 8 Billion Genies, number one, by Charles Soule. Wow. have not read anything from Charles Soule in a dog's age. It was really cool to see his name on this book. I was like, oh, hey, old friend, Strange <laughs> Attractors, still an amazing, amazing series. You all should read it. Uh, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown of God Hates Astronauts fame. The Lampwick Bar and Grill is just like any other dive in Michigan. 
At least that was the case before 8 billion genies arrived on Earth to offer every living soul one wish and one wish only. Now, after a bit of quick thinking, Lambwick is quite possibly the only place on the planet where everyone is safe from the chaos that's about to be unleashed. I had a lot of fun with this book. Uh, this first issue does a great job of introducing an outlandish, thought-provoking scenario uh, and an interesting assortment of characters. You've got your mysterious barkeep, a 12-year-old there to pick up his deadbeat dad, a Chinese couple from out of town, and a struggling band experiencing some relationship drama in addition to their band drama. Uh, it's a colorful group to be sure. And I'm anxious to find out what the other wishes are going to be used for. Uh, and I'm hoping that soul and Brown will ask some bigger, like soul searching questions along the way, even if they don't, I'm still going to keep going. I think it's awesome. Uh, basically the bartender is like, I don't want anybody else's wishes outside of this bar to affect what happens inside of this bar. So this bar becomes a safe haven from the giant robots and huge like monsters that are outside kaiju and everything. And the world suddenly goes from being round to being a cube. And like they, you have like a wish clicker so you can find out how many people are wishing in what amount of time. Um, And it's just nuts. Like it's, it's totally one of those let's introduce you to the setup number one issues and then probably in number two, all hell's going to break loose and we're going to find out what this is really about. But um, 8 Billion Genies, number one, really just a lot of fun um, and outstanding artwork. I would describe it, but if you've seen God Hates Astronauts was around for a long time. Um, if you've seen that, think of that only better, a little more refined because people's talents, they get better. Uh, a grip, num- a grip. Grim, number one. I would have read it written also, by. So you don't <laughs> yeah, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Uh, Grim, number one, written by Stephanie Phillips, with art by Flaviano. Oh, uh, Flaviano did the uh, Black Widow, Black right? Widow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Jessica Harrow is a grim reaper with a with a terrible bedside manner. She doesn't remember how she died, but she knows that like other reapers in her profession, she's got a job to do. After ferrying an, an obnoxious soul to the afterlife, Jessica discovers that her uh, scythe is missing. To retrieve it, she'll need the help of a few friends. Uh, and it's soon after that when she discovers that death isn't necessarily the end of her problems. Again... A comic that's simply a joy to read from beginning to end. Uh, I've been reading Phillips's run of Harley Quinn for the past year and change uh, and wanted to see what else that she could do. Uh, the story takes a workplace comedy approach to the afterlife while delivering some stellar art from Flaviano. I really, really loved the opening pages. Um, they're very dreamlike. And I really dug how the River Styx is represented in this as well. Um, this is the third interpretation I've read of death in a short span of time with Carmen and the many deaths of Layla Starr being the other two. Uh, and each has presented the subject matter in fun new ways. Uh, if any of our listeners have seen the Showtime series Dead Like Me, this is definitely in that wheelhouse. Um, ba, ba, ba. What do you say? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> Cold Iron number one. 
written this by the way this is on comicsology this is a comicsology original so you can go and read this for free if you have that no 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 wait comicsology has something free can't be can't be well i mean subscription based Mm. free but yes um cold iron number one written by andy diggle illustrated by nick brokenshire colors by triona farrell and letters by simon boland Kay is a struggling musician stuck in a toxic relationship, and her dreams of making it big on the mainland could be dashed after she nearly hits a young woman standing in the middle of the road with her truck. Confused by the woman's clothing and odd manner of speaking, Kay soon discovers that the stranger is being pursued by a mystical creature, and now it wants to drag them both back to hell from whence it came. First off... The opening pages have had hardcore Elden Ring vibes. Okay, I've, the game has been a part of me, and everywhere I look, I I even saw it in the new Captain America uh, uh, Sam Wilson book. Uh, where was I? Anyway, um, I really like Kay. I think that she's she's kind, she's talented, she's resourceful, and she's very 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 fearless. Uh, I'm also a sucker for a local folklore come to life tale. And that's precisely what this is. Uh, it kind of gave me pangs of uh, double Walker that I talked about during last year's award show. The art is very appropriate for the story and setting. It reminds me a bit of Mike Darity's uh, trick or treat mixed with tales from the crypt Ooh. and Robert Eggers as the witch. Ooh. So put all that stuff in a blender and that's kind of what you get. Uh, the issue ends with an excellent standoff setup, kind of like this is where we are now. Just like buckle up, kids, it's gonna get nasty. Uh, and I'm really hoping that Rory, who is Kay's asshole boyfriend, gets torn to shreds by something <laughs> nasty along the way because I don't like him, and he's not. In, he's he's one of those characters that isn't in the book very much, but the panels that he's in, you just want to punch his teeth in. And be like, oh my god, I can't wait for you to show up at the wrong moment and just get gored oh. by whatever is going oh. on in this book. I don't want to give You're too a much cruel away. Man, Steve. No, oh. he's accurate. He is he's accurate. accurate. Okay. He, yeah. yeah. Okay. Rory yeah. is a douche. <laughs> yeah, Rory is a douche. Um, I got lots of stuff this week. Moving right along. Jurassic League number one. Told you I'd talk about it. Written by Juan Gideon and Daniel Warren Johnson with art by Juan Gideon. Colors by Mike Spicer. uh, Letters by Farron Delgado. Jurassic League takes you from the outskirts of Grautham City to the sands of Metropolis for a larger-than-life superhero adventure that presents all of your favorite DC characters as dinosaurs. How do you not want to read this? There's not much of a plot to speak of just yet. No. And I have no idea where the story is going, but I'm still enjoying it. It's a who's who of the DC universe in dinosaur form. <laughs> and part of the fun for me was turning the page to see who they'd introduce next. Um, it's definitely going in a heroes versus villains direction, though, again, I'm not really sure what the big picture is just yet. I I loved seeing the different heroes and villains converted into dinosaurs. It quickly became a game of like looking up the different species to see if they're, if they align with the character traits and a lot of them actually do. So it was pretty clever on that end. Um, The art is also outstanding while I would have enjoyed uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's art in this book. Juan Gideon's, uh, 
style complements Johnson's writing sensibilities very well. Uh, Gideon's art also has a similar energy to Johnson's, I think. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Uh, oddly, Gideon's art also reminds me a bit of Bill Watterson. There's another Calvin and Hobbes reference for you. Um, but only when Watterson is drawing the dinosaurs from Calvin's imagination, nowhere else. So picture those panels in that comic strip. And that's kind of what you're getting here. Uh, I'm going to see where it goes. It was fun. It wasn't life altering or anything like that. I didn't expect it to be. I just wanted to see DC characters as dinosaurs. And that's precisely <laughs> what I got. So far, so that said, yeah, but it's a, it's a six issue mini. So Uh, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? So anyway, I'm going to check out another issue, see where it goes, see if they start building uh, a story. It is definitely cool though, to see these characters represented as dinosaurs. It's a lot of fun. Um, And last but not least, I just want to comment on it because they're dropping two episodes a week. Um, Batman Unburied, the podcast. I talked about it last week. I'm going to bring it up again because holy crap, they dropped uh, episodes three and four. And three and four introduce Gina Rodriguez as Barbara Gordon, Ooh. Jessica Maria Garcia as Renee Montoya, and Hassan Men- uh, Menhaj as the Riddler. So, oh. The presentation turns into a straight-up police procedural with Barbara and Edward Nigma joining forces to solve some very shady business happening in wow. Gotham. Um, she she breaks him out of of his imprisonment, so to speak, in a very Barbara Gordon way. Um, both of these episodes were outstanding, but it was the writing for Barbara and the Riddler that really, really stood out for me. Barbara kicks ass in this series she's it's like the best parts of oracle and barbara gordon combined to make a gotham super detective she's several steps ahead of everyone in the room she's super savvy with a computer she's continuously pulling tricks to gain access to places where she needs to be she is great and i don't know what hassan uh minhaj is doing for the riddler with his voice I don't know if that's his natural voice. I haven't really heard him that much outside of the daily show, but like he has in my mind, the quintessential Riddler voice and Riddler is not only is he intelligent, but he's extremely charismatic in this. And the chemistry between Barbara and Edward is that they're trying to solve this mystery. I don't want to say what it is because it gives away a major plot point of the, the podcast, but um, it's just awesome. Like if they're they're dropping two episodes of this a week, it is definitely something for you all to go and tune in and listen to. The production values are outstanding. It sounds incredible. The voice cast is phenomenal. And it's a really great Batman story. And it's a Batman story where Batman hasn't even shown up yet. Perfect. It's four episodes. Perfect. Like yeah, and he's not even like he's not he's there, but he's not there. If you listen to the show, you'll know what I mean. Uh Winston Duke doing Bruce Wayne, my God, I never knew until now. Just incredible. Um, It's super good. I I highly recommend it. Go and check it out. Batman Unburied. Uh, And that is my very long lightning round. It's to make up for last week because my my lightning round sucked last week. So it wasn't that great. It was fine, but it wasn't. I I didn't have my, my act together, but I did this week. 
<laughs> Make it up for it, kids. Uh, does anybody have any comments or questions? I think everybody does at some point. Who'd like to go first? I loved Grimm. <laughs> I love Grimm so much. Actually, Grimm was going to be the first thing on my list, but then I opened <sighs> up the document and Steve already had it in his list. I was like, Damn you, Steve! <laughs> Always stealing my Happens books all the time. Um, <laughs> at least, at least this you time, you should Steve go. Texted me. And said, you know, oh, <laughs> can I talk about 8 billion genies this week? And I was like, okay, Steve. <laughs> did you even respond to me? I don't think you did. Uh, you said you answered my second question, but you never answered that one. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, ahead, Melissa, you were saying. I was going to say, if you go, um, I would definitely recommend going to the Boom page and looking at the um, the variant covers for this book because they are so beautiful including a gorgeous mm. one from Jenny Frisson. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I've just, I've just been staring at these covers while you were talking to you the whole time. <laughs> this was when I was reading this, I was like, this is a Melissa book it's through and through. So fun. This, this had your name all over it. And it's funny because what Steve just said about reading all these books about the afterlife is like exactly what I said to him earlier today. Um, one, two, three, four of the books that I read this week somehow ended up being about the afterlife Oops. and most of them, <laughs> I had no idea what they were about when I started reading them. So I don't know. It's just an ongoing theme, I guess, but yeah, I think Grimm is incredible. I'm super excited to nice. read more of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm stoked. I was, like I said, I was really interested to see another book from, uh, from Phillips to see uh, what she could do. And I saw the preview images for this and just said, man, I have to, I have to check this out. It did not disappoint. I love Jessica Harrow already. She just, she, she's got a bit of like a hack slash vibe to her. That's it. What it yeah. A little bit. Of, yeah. Like a little bit, the cynical, you know, kind of pissy. She was like, I'm just here to do my job. Just leave me alone. Get in the boat, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love seeing the behind like this was something that was featured in um well I guess all of them between Carmen and the many deaths of Layla Starr. I like seeing kind of the inner workings of death. Yeah. And how like what the the hierarchy is, how their afterlife works, because everybody's got their own interpretation of it. And so when she's ferrying this soul to the afterlife and you get to see that like part of your journey toward wherever you end up involves a waiting room. Like I just like, of course it does. That's that's amazing. The color in this so. book is particularly stunning. Yes, it is super powerful, especially like you said, the river sticks. So it's like, what is happening? How cool was that? It's like with all like the red outlines of the bodies, like heavy metal or something. I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's a music video or or whatever they're calling it for uh. The new My Chemical Romance single that just came out, and it's like a like a super slow zoom in on um, this is like weird blue black texture, and it's kind of like vibrating and jittering as the camera's panning in on it. And if you stare at it long enough, it actually reminded me of the River Sticks from this, just a different color, but it had that same like vibe and animation to it. I don't know if anybody else is listening or has seen that video. Anyway, um, yeah, Grimm is real good. Uh, Joey, what do you think of Eight Billion Genies? It was it was a lot of fun. I until the genies show up, it did feel like a kind of introducing characters that I wasn't necessarily interested in. Um, but I knew the 
I knew the, the it was coming, so I was kind of just biding my time. And once those genies showed up and the wish the conceit happens, I'm like, okay, this is this is a really interesting concept, and I'm I'm eager to see how it goes uh, forward. I did not expect it to get as ridiculous as it did with those wishes and have those like <laughs> pop outs to like what was going on with some of the other wishes. Those were hilarious. So I think that now that I have a better grasp of the tone of the book, because like the first few pages of the book, you're reading it and you're like, oh man, this is like depressing. It's like dysfunctional band with like relationship problems and like sad, drunk dad and a 12 year old. And I'm like, this is not (laughs) what I was expecting. Um, And then the genies show up and they all look like these little, like, like little Funkos, you know, just following you around. And I'm like, this is actually (laughs) totally wacky. And once it, once it adopts that kind of tone, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm into it now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think it was kind of like, we need to have a couple of pages to get everyone in the room and assemble our cast. I kind of, I kind of like that the group that they've gathered for this story, they're all kind of ordinary people. Like there isn't anyone that is, yeah, a celebrity or or super over the top or anything. They're just everyday people. Like the dad who is, you know, you can find him at the bar. He didn't show up, so he's got to be at the bar. Um, the little kid being involved and how he got there, I thought was cool. I'm very curious about the bartender. The bartender, I think, knows more about these types of things than he's letting mm. on. I don't know. He seems to have lived a life, but um. But I know Bob, you asked a question in the in the chat. Uh, if you had one wish and you can't wish for more wishes, what would it yeah. be? I was I was thinking about posing this to the group, and then I didn't because I don't know what my wish would be. Um, I don't know. I think this would require some thought. Maybe for next time. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to revisit that because I think that could be a fun conversation. All right. Hey, everybody. We. Uh, we all took a, a short break and uh, we put it to a vote and we've decided <laughs> Joey's, off the Joey's, island. Not allowed. <laughs> Joey's voted off the island. He's no longer allowed to participate <laughs> on this episode. So, so he's gone. He's in timeout till next week. Yeah, he's uh, he's in the corner thinking about what he's done. He knows what he did. He got a little too extra. Uh, did anybody else have anything from my lightning round? Yes or no? Yes. I liked Cold no? Iron. It was good. Oh, you read it? Yeah, I read Cold Iron. I, I, I just I saw it there on uh, Comics Unlimited, Comicsology Unlimited, and I always liked Andy Diggle, so I thought I'd give it a read. And I, it's a good story. I don't know. I, I think I'll wait till it's all done to read it, but I enjoyed it. It was cool. Like yeah. it, it's. I, I really like folklore stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I'm a sucker for it. And uh, you'll know what I'm talking about, but like that moment where you only see the head of the animal yeah and then it gets up and i was just like yo what is happening in this book mm-hmm. you better run and then i lo- that was a go ahead i love the grandma and she's like i saw rats out there and she goes you call them long tails on halloween and things like <laughs> yeah. that i think there's a lot of isle of man stuff here i'm just not familiar with it but i, I yeah i love this old english folklore have you read double walker think so I think that's all i think that's also on comicsology if you yeah. haven't read that you totally should yeah maybe i'll grab that i think i that's started a michael I w conrad joint yeah i think i gotta go I'll, I'll grab that this week 
It's excellent. It'll it'll read it right before you go to bed. It'll scare the shit out of you. Oh, it's really good. Brilliant. Awesome. Yes, it's exactly what you want. Nightmares. They're good for the soul. You know, I'm already not, I'm already not sleeping, so why not just continue? <laughs> there you go. That's a spirit. Yeah. All right. Melissa. Yes. Can I go next? Huh? Sure. Carolyn just messaged me that she just lost power. So. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote a good lightning round for you guys. I got to go before I lose power. <laughs> oh, go. All right. All right. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yeah. Um, go. Okay. So I read spectators number one through 14. Um, Explain. This is explore actually one through fifteen. Sorry, they put another one out right as where I was waiting to start the show. Exploding Giraffe Substack. Uh, the writing is by Brian K. Vaughn and art by Nico Hen- Henriken. I think that's how you say it. Um, I just want to say I did not intentionally go to Substack. I don't know how actually I landed here. A likely story. I, no, I was. It was. I think I was reading Saga and something popped up, and I was like, "Oh, something new from Brian K. Vaughn," and then I clicked on it and. I was like, oh, so this is that Substack thing I've been hearing about. So, yeah, I tried it. Um, this is the creative team that worked on Pride of Baghdad back in 2004, which was an incredible graphic novel. Um, Spectators is a serial graphic novel that's planned to be, in the words of Vaughn, a 300-plus page self-contained epic about a lot of things, but at its core, it's a story about sex and violence and why so many of us spend so much of our lives watching both. It's hosted on Vaughn's Substack channel, Exploding Giraffe, and it's free for subscribers. Uh, I'll start by saying that several times at the start of this novel, Brian warns the reader that it will be graphic in all the ways, and that is not hyperbole. The story is violent, raw, and hard from the beginning, so it definitely won't be for all readers. If you think Saga is extra, then pause and consider the graphic nature of Saga times three and make the right choice for yourself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Of course, I decided to jump right in and read it. It's hard to talk about this without spoiling it because it's being published in little bits weekly with commentary and OP pieces in between. Um, I'll say you get about three panels before you understand just what level of sexual content to expect. And by the second chapter, you're clear on how violent this is going to be. Um, it's, it starts very fast. Um, even after 14 issues, I'm not completely sure where the story is taking me yet, which would be insane to say in a classic comic book setup, but some of these issues are about five pages and others are only about two. So it's a kind of a weird way to read a comic. Um, sex, guns, fear, and death have been covered so far in the first 14 issues. Maybe something <laughs> about the afterlife. I'm not sure what kind of roller coaster ride I agree to, but I trust Brian K. Vaughn to make it worth the queasy feeling in my belly. <laughs> um, if you're thinking about trying out Substack and you've got a strong stomach, I'd say this is a good place to start. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just gross, but it's really good. <laughs> and it's free. It's free. Uh, and it's Brian K. Vaughn. So like, I don't know. He's never let me down. Um, Tales from Harrow County Lost Ones number one. You guys, I had no fucking idea this was coming out. How did this come out on the <laughs> week that I get to be on Talking Comics? I'm so excited. <laughs> have you have you read the other ones? There I are a couple not. of other miniseries. I didn't know. Oh, there's like there's two others. This didn't is a third know. one. Didn't know. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Colin Bunn, art by Emily Schnall, letter uh wait, that got mixed up, I think. Isn't the art by Tyler Crook should be? 
Sorry, yeah. I copied and pasted this, and I think that it switched the um, names around. I do that all the time. I'm guessing the letterers, Emily Schnall. Um, art is Tyler Crook, and cover art by Emily Schnall as well, published with Dark Horse Comics. So this is 10 years after Emmy left Harrow County, and we find her working a normal diner job in a small city, living as if she didn't spend her childhood befriending demons, casting <laughs> magic, and fighting witches who crawl out of tree roots. She seems pretty well adjusted, considering... For Never Fear, Colin Bunn is here to turn things inside out and bring the shadows to life. New faces show up to challenge Emmy's confidence in her new identity. Old friends still lurk behind the walls, reminding her of where she comes from. Issue 1 lets us have a moment to check in with Emmy before setting us off on a new adventure down Spooky Lane. The real question here is how did I get so lucky to have one of my favorite comics make its a grand return in time for me to gush over it on Talking Comics? I can't wait to see more of outside Harrow County, Harrow County. It's really funny to read a comic called Harrow County. That's not in Harrow County, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carmen number one through five with writing and art by Gilla March published by image. Uh, mm-hmm. Per the book's press release, Carmen is a provocative story that explores grief, suicide, and redemption told as a visual feast for the eyes and featuring ethereal, fantastic artwork to set the tone. I'd say this is accurate, but just doesn't do the story justice. The shapes, the colors, the facial expressions, the hairstyles. There's such a brilliant level of artistic depth to these pages and every character on them, human or otherwise, is full of genuine expression. But the hair, y'all, it's fabulous. (laughs) <laughs> Not since The Wicked and Divine have I seen such a lovely array of creative hairstyles in a comic book. Okay, back to the story. Um, yes, this is a tale of tragedy and death and heartbreak, but it's also a story of that rare, unique friendship that survives puberty, family drama, dating, and social anxiety. The friendship at the center of Carmen feels so true and weird and awkward. If you've had that friendship that you couldn't ever really figure out if it was more or just extra special in a way that no one else gets, you'll know exactly what I mean. Carmen is so fun, but also a trickster. I love her, and I hope to meet her when I croak one day, because her (laughs) antics are exactly what atheist (laughs) heathens like me pray for at the end. (laughs) This book is gorgeous and touching and sexy and odd, and you should definitely read it. I love it. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my final book um, is something that has come to my attention because I'm a parent and this conversation is happening a lot in my school circles. So I wanted to talk about Gender Queer, a memoir. Uh, writing and art is by Maya Kababi, color by Phoebe Kababi. Uh, I first heard of this book because some local school systems here in New York have been banning it. It has apparently been living in high school libraries and offering insight to the life of genderqueer humans for those interested until some folks felt offended by the cartoon sex depicted in it and decided to try and extinguish it from the shelves. Let's burn books. Yeah. At least that's what they're saying is the issue. We all know that's not really the issue, but that's what they're saying is the issue. You know, high school kids seeing cartoon sex. Will someone please educate these parents about what their high schoolers are really seeing that may shock them? (laughs) Because I guarantee it is not queer sex and cute colors. (laughs) Anyway, this is a beautiful graphic novel about Maya's lifelong journey to find the right description, style, pronouns, relationship, and basically all of her life that feels like it fits. This is both a touching and vulnerable memoir of a human fearful of how the world sees them and how they see themselves, as well as an instruction manual for cis people or queer curious people on finding one's way. 
on a personal level, I was rooting so hard for Maya to find peace and love in whatever form was the right kind for them. I would like to tell y'all to pay lots of attention to that whole segment about getting haircuts and how traumatic that can be for folks who don't feel seen or heard in a salon. If you relate to this, find yourself a welcoming, gender-affirming salon to show the good way. There are lots of us out there now, including mine. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to give myself a little plug props plug, there. Plug, plug. <laughs> and uh, where are you located? <laughs> New Pulse, New York. Um, <laughs> I feel like the best thing to say about this book is thank you. Thank you for sharing this difficult, scary, bumpy experience with those of us who don't get it. So we can all stop asking stupid questions and be better friends, family, and partners. And please help keep fighting to keep important books like Genderqueer on the shelves in places where young people who share Maya's long, confusing road to identity can find some guidance and belonging. If you'd like to hear about the attempted banning of Genderqueer from Maya's perspective, check out their OP on the Washington Post titled Schools are Banning My Book, But Queer Kids Need Queer Stories. Damn right. That's it. Uh, Bronwyn picked up Bronwyn picked up a copy of Genderqueer when she was in California she went to a, a comic book store with Emily Martin picked up a bunch of stuff that was one of them nice so I will I will go and uh, make time to read that because that sounds amazing uh, and I'll read it twice just to piss off the opposition it, <laughs> about that. I'm, I'm sure that John has heard about this long before I have because I live in this, you know, liberal bubble here in New York where these things take a little longer to hit. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a group that grew out mm-hmm. of Florida and has been expanding across the country called um, Mothers for Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, They're out here, too. They're here on the island. Yeah. And they are planting people in board of education positions and school positions everywhere. They're very well organized. And um, this book is just a small little tiny piece of what they're doing. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, you know, their freedoms are being taken away. And, you know, so they've got to do something about that. They're afraid of the world being real. Uh, In fact, I would go so far as to say fighting the the banning of this book has been um, a big distraction for people who should be paying more attention to the offices that these people are occupying. Yeah. Our school. This is all all like all these fighting about books and stuff is just to get people riled up while they're actually doing much Mm -hmm. dangerous things by getting elected. I I mean, I'm lucky. I live in a very liberal town, the only, the only liberal town in Iowa, but our state legislature is making wild changes to, how I have to teach as a government teacher and books that we are allowed and not allowed to have. And it's, uh, it's, it's unsettling to think about how the cultural wars are being won by the right right now. It's it's not a good environment. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, how did you end up on Substack, Melissa? Uh, I really don't know. Like I said, I think I was reading saga and there might have been like a plug at the end of it for spectators. And I saw it because I, I just remember seeing something about something new from Brian K. Vaughn and I clicked on it. Um, mm-hmm. And it and it said, you have to click on, you have to go to this website to find it. And I went to it and right. before I realized where I was. I was like, oh, Substack, I've heard of you guys. You know, what is your what is your experience uh, with that been like so far? Are you happy with it? I mean, I didn't wander around in there very much. Um, I kind of just stayed on that one, you know, on Exploding Giraffe. Um, 
It's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great name. I know. <laughs> it's really such a great name. <laughs> well, and you know, it's from literally from a panel from Pride of Baghdad. Oh, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Pride of Baghdad and we three both. Oh God, they they are me. burned, seared into my brain meats. <laughs> I will never be able to unthink those. Yeah, it's thinking of we three makes me teary. <laughs> it was it was it was a fine experience. I mean, um, I think it's cool that you can access you know a free ongoing graphic novel. That's pretty rad. Um, it's a little awkward, you know, it's not an easy setup to read. It's kind of like sort of looks like little blog posts and you have to click on each one and each one has a bunch of like panels all over it. Um, so it's not the easiest way to read a comic book, but it it's each each um, issue, if you want to even call it that right. Number one, number two, number three. Some of them, like I said, have about five pages per panel and then or pages per entry. And then some of them only have like two pages. Um, I think there was one that even just had like one like double spread and that was it. So, 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 so sometimes you get this, a good little chunk of story and other times you just get like something. So it comes out in bits and pieces. Right. It doesn't come out in issues. Yeah, no, it's like weekly. And then in between Ugh. each weekly entry is a, um, like basically a blog entry from Brian K. Vaughn, like, uh, talking about either something that happened in the story or something that relates to it in current events or something that he's working on. All right. It feels like a combination of like comics and Patreon sort of like, let me, if you don't mind me asking how much is the, the subscription? I didn't pay anything for the subscription. Yeah. Really? Bonds is free because he's making that saga money. Other what? people, they get to set their own price. Yeah. Okay. So, I just so there subscribe. are some free subtext out there. Yeah. And he's just giving away the goods? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, BKB. You know? little, little well, that, what was the Private Eyes? He did that with Private Eye, and then it got yeah. collected later. And, I, and what was the, was it the Border that he did that? He's done this a few times where he's put it all online bit by bit. And then has it collected later. Yeah, I have at least two things from him that I think he released that way. Didn't isn't he doing uh, something called Friday? Yeah, I think I read the first yes. issue of that, and then I haven't seen anything from it since. I think that's him, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It might have just been like a sample oh, issue, that or maybe maybe it was Brew Baker. You know what? I think you're right. I think it was Brew Baker. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'd like to find out if that's if there's more of that because Friday Friday was really good that that issue that I read. Fascinating spectators. There was something that you can pay for. Um, uh, join us in the tower is a paid tier at seven bucks a month. He says, and then you get a whole bunch of extra stuff. You get like a private forum to interact with he and Nico. Um, Backstage oh, pass cool. to the creation of spectators, process videos from Nico, a whole bunch of extra stuff. That's neat. I mean, if you're if you're really a fan of these people and you're maybe you're even looking to get in to comics yourself and you really want to see kind of the process of doing all these things and what goes into uh, catering to an audience from a particular creator. I could see the benefits of this stuff. They've got a, they've got the top tier is two fifty. 
they call it the exploding giraffe prize package where he's <laughs> he's giving away limited edition signed script to saga number one the Ooh. first and only oh, time whoa, his wow. complete script has been available um I still have all my original sagas. I have a couple of them. Those are probably worth something. I could see people definitely wanting to pay for something like that. If I didn't already have too much money that I've spent on saga collectibles, I would do it. Yeah, I know there was a big market for that a while ago, but I mean, I haven't looked at a comic book on something like eBay in forever. I have no idea what that market looks like right now. Um, Carmen. Carmen is one of my favorite stories. Yeah, Carmen is... Oh God, I love everything that that book had to say in the conversations that it, it brings up and it's so unbelievably gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Everything from the characters, as you said, the hairstyles to the renderings of the city, just so incredible. Those, those first two issues when you're basically just floating through the air and looking at the, at the city from above is just such a trip. Yeah. I love that story so much. That was super fun. Um, if I could make a book recommendation to you, uh, have you heard of a book called Bolero? No. Okay. It's from Boom Studios. I have no. It, <laughs> write, write it down and, and if you can check it out, I think that you will really, really enjoy it. If these are the types of books that you're bringing to the table, you definitely want to check out Bolero. There's actually a new issue of it coming out this week. Uh, I think it might be ending soon. So you might be coming in at just the right time to, to read it all together. Uh, it is very weird uh, and very, very uh, – just read it. Just read it. I don't want to give too much away. Um, it's a Melissa book. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, and have you read The Me, You Love in the Dark? Yes. You brought that to I the show, right? It, yeah. Okay, you did. Okay, I thought so. All right. I always, I always have you in mind. When I'm reading the indie books. Because we read the same books, man. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Um, and there was definitely more Tales from Harrow County. There's at least two other series besides the Lost Ones. Okay. I'll have to look those up then. So, yeah, they're very cool. Um, all right. I think that'll do it except for John. Oh, okay. Oh. I just saw one of your books. I just saw one of your books. I'm curious. Um <laughs> Go ahead, John. All right. Uh, I'll start with Blood Syndicate Season 1, Number 1. So this is the next phase of the Milestone relaunch. As to quote Aaron, DC's, they, they give you a taste on DC Infinite, but not Blood Syndicate. I had to go to Comixology and buy this. And as we all know, Comixology is not that fun right now. But I got it. Jeffrey Thorne, writer, Chris Cross on art. Juan Castro on inks, Will Quintana on colors, and World Designs on letters. Uh, so Paris Island is the worst part of D Dakota City. Uh, it's gang and drug-riddled neighborhood. Yet things have changed with the Big Bang. Icon and Rocket have seemingly pushed out all of the major gangs, all of the major drug dealers, and yet not much has changed as just new players have replaced the old players. And so this is the status quo when we meet two army veterans returning from uh, tours in Afghanistan. One is Han Hannibal, who's a recent Muslim convert and very skeptical of what's going on in the city. 
And the other is Rolando, who is reconnecting with his old friend Carlos, who kind of gives him a piece by piece of what's going on. Long time Blood Syndicate fans will be able to realize that this is Wise One, Tech Nine, and Fade from the original series. We're introduced to Holocaust, who is a bad guy in this. He's collecting. Things. No, no kidding. <laughs> no, sorry. Was that, Holocaust, was that, the hero. <laughs> the hero, Holocaust. Uh, he's collecting bang babies for his gang. He wants to control the island, then the city, then the world. Uh, there's conflict brewing between all of these subgroups, and fans of the original series will like this. New fans will enjoy it. Everything. It's very cool. First issue. All the basics of the original series are here, but it's got a current uh, feel. <laughs> what? I had the hardest time understanding this book. Okay. Well, classic fans will love this book. Uh, New fans, <laughs> sorry, you're shit out of luck. Um, <laughs> I got to say, Chris Cross's art, it was, I was expecting the static art, which we all have raved about. It's a little different here. It's a little, I don't know if if the inks were what it was. It's still really good and nice and it fits this book. But if you're looking for that, that, that static style, I don't think that's, this is here. Uh, But it's still a fun book and I'm sure Steve will crap all over it here in a little bit. Whoa. (laughs) I'm sorry. What, what, no, let's, what do, how did you not understand or, oh, Sorry, Steve. This, this is this is something. Else. crap Sorry. all over it, Steve. <laughs> Pull my pants down. <laughs> no, I look. I aside from static, I don't have yeah. any sort of history with Milestone whatsoever. I had all the best intentions of dipping into some of these other books, and I just haven't done it yet. Um, and I went into this. I'm admittedly, while I do have respect, I don't necessarily gel with military stories. Okay. Like I have, I have no background with that and they don't, they don't always part of my whole beef with Top Gun. Like I just don't have any interest uh, or I have say any little yeah. interest. I gotta be careful here. Um, I just, I had no idea what was going on. Okay. I, I didn't know the references. I recognized some of the hero names that were mentioned, but I found some of the artwork to be a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't pulled into the story and I was super, super, super lost. Like, I okay. feel like I needed Aaron in my pocket to yeah. to be like, this is this and this is this. It's just like anything else. Like, it's no shade on Milestone whatsoever. Um, it's the same thing. Like, if I tried to read a Valiant book. Right. No. You know, like it's just a super daunting thing to come into this cold and be like, these characters seem really cool, but I have absolutely no frame of reference whatsoever. So I just, I didn't find it to be inviting I get for that. a new reader. I get that. I'm, I apologize, Steve. I thought that you were current with the milestone relaunch. Yeah. If you, no, if, I wish. Yeah. If you've not read hardware static and icon and rocket, you really should begin there. And then this book will make a lot more sense. I really enjoyed yeah. Static. I read all of those, and those yeah. were great. Yeah, I, I I get that. Then yeah, this book is very much like they call it season one. I would call it phase two of the milestone relaunch. 
because it, it really builds off of what those three books started like last summer, almost a year ago now, I think. So, yeah. Yep. All right. My this, what? this, this, I'll say one last thing and then, then I'm sorry. I don't no, mean no, to no, hijack no. your mind. Like this seems like the type of thing that if, if I didn't pick this up on a first issue and we were like maybe three or four deep with things a bit more established and integrated that maybe I would pick up on more of like the little that I've, I've known, know now from Aaron and from you talking mm-hmm. about it and Joey talking about it and stuff like that. Um, it's something that I'll keep my eye on Yeah, just in terms of it being friendly for new readers. I found yeah. that statement to be false. I, <laughs> I It's friendly to new readers who've already read their three previous milestone books. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Caveat carved out. <laughs> We got there. <laughs> okay. Uh, my second book, Suicide, Get Joker number three. So this is Brian Azzarello and Alex Malieve, Matt Hollingsworth on colors, and Jared K. Fletcher on letters. little recap. Uh, Red Hood was recruited by Amanda Waller to kill the Joker. If you don't know, the Joker once beat Red Hood to death when he was Robin with a crowbar. America got to phone in and decide if Robin lived or died and America chose death. Um, he's given a team of, uh, to accomplish his mission, including Harley and they head to Gotham. Uh, Joker attacks Waller and gets the triggers to the bombs in the team's head. So they become expendable and another squad is sent in. That's issues one and two. I somehow both enjoyed and loathed this book at the <laughs> same time. It's fast paced. It's brutally violent. I think it's got a great depiction of Jason Todd and his troubled relationship with both the Joker and Batman. Malieve's art is outstanding. It's excessively gory in, in a good way. Azarello is not kind to Harley. Uh, for most of the past two issues, she's in a string bikini. Ugh. There's a lot of derogatory language. At one point, uh, Wild Dog looks at her and says, hey, sugar, and you can imagine what follows. It just ejected me from the story. Like, I just, I, 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 that just, I don't care if you're a hard-boiled crime writer. You don't need to do that in this type of story with a character who's evolved so much from where she began. And just because this is a black label book, it does not mean that you get to use a liberal use of fuck every time. Every page is just littered with the F word. Um, And then it's got like a Sopranos like ending. If you've ever seen the season finale or the series finale of the Sopranos, it's got one of those that you just kind of close it and you're like, what the hell? Like, I just, I liked it, and I didn't like it at the same time. <laughs> Sounds pretty terrible, man. It's, it's, got, it's got good qualities. It's got bad qualities. What killed it is there's been a six-month gap between number two and three. Number two <sighs> came out in October, and this is, you know, May. So it's just, it's weird. I enjoyed it for the most part, but there's just points where it just, pulls you out of the story some of the dialogue some of the treatment of characters and then the ending i just i just it wasn't to my my liking 
This is Suicide Squad Get Joker number three. That is correct. Oof. Yeah. I get I get Joker, I guess, as a get shorty reference. Yeah, so their their job is to kill the Joker. Either uh, the Joker dies or they get their heads exploded. That old chestnut. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and with the and I thought it was cool with the Joker getting the bombs or like the triggers to their bombs. It, that kind of yeah, I mean it has potential. <laughs> I am I am burying this book. I don't know if this if this ends with a countdown to the bombs inside their heads, and then the final panel just fades to black. It's not. I would kind of you're not. I would that kind of admire off. that. You're not that far off. Wow. It ends with um, let's just say Red Hood and Joker having a discussion, and then a single page with just one word on it. And it leaves it open to your interpretation. Oh boy. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's not awful. It's just, I, Brian Azzarello just, he's a great writer. He's got that hard boiled Ed Brubaker feel to it. He just kind of went over the top with this one. Sounds like it. Sounds like a uh, DC Infinity Squad or whatever. Well, I just uh, thing you should wait for. Well, they do. Th- yeah, I, I would wait till it's on DC Infinite. But this Black Label, I get that they want to tell more. I don't know adult stories, but that doesn't mean that you have to. You can do it in a more sensible way. Like the the Catwoman Lonely City isn't gratuitous. Uh, um, Batman one one was it? Oh God, what's the one night? Uh, the imposter, the imposter, the imposter, the imposter. <laughs> and then what's the one with Jock? Um, one dark night, One dark night. You know, those, I mean, those, I mean, every now and then you might have something, but this book just felt like it really wanted to be like a early 2000s HBO show. All right. Hey, look, it's a, you know what? It takes all kinds. It does. It does. It, it's probably somebody's jam. They really liked it. Excuse me. And that is, uh, that's good. That's oh, no. why it was made. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Like, if you haven't read 100 Bullets, that's a great story. And, and I, I have not. Oh, that's, uh, Azarello and Edward, Eduardo Rizzo. It's, it's Vertigo back when Vertigo Very existed. Very surprised you haven't read that, Steve. I feel like yeah. that's like a classic Vertigo book. That's, that's, I haven't read a lot of Vertigo in general. You should read, uh, 100 Bullets and you should read Scalped. I tried reading Scalped. Did you? I tried. I think I got one issue in and was like, meh. Um, it might be something that I need to give another shot. I tried reading it years and years and years ago, like probably upward of like five-ish mm. years ago. Who knows? I don't know. It was definitely one of those things that I I had got my hands on when I f- first started dating Bronwyn. So that must have been, yeah, like nine, eight or nine years ago. It was a long yeah. time. Where, um, I would revisit it. Where, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't write anything off just yet. That's where Jason Aaron really got his start and his name recognition. Hmm. And it's very crime and crime on the the reservation, and it, it, it's yeah, lots of deceit and deception. It's it's a cool story. Very very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's it yep. for books. <laughs> Uh, let's get to some news. We got a bunch of a uh, bunch of quick hits here. Some stuff that probably should have 
should have done a little bit more research for, but we'll we'll dig into it and see what's up. Um, papa, what do we got here first? Oh, for, first of all, breaking news. Um, I found this and added it to the outline while we were chatting. But um, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is getting, I guess, a spinoff or the team behind that is making another one of these. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White, number one. Sure, why not? So includes a new story by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. It's only seven they pages. Are, they're at it again. Is it? Yeah, and then the rest of the book is like reprints from like Kurt Swan. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, there's a Brian Michael Bendis and Yvonne Reese story in this. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Um, let's move on to some other stuff that we actually have in the outline here. <laughs> Uh, so, oh man, this is sad. Okay, well, not unexpected, but sad nonetheless. Uh, Naomi is not returning to the CW for season two. I don't know if this means that this can go elsewhere, but unfortunately, Ava DuVernay's superhero drama Naomi uh, is wrapped up after only one season. Uh, I guess I was part of the problem by not tuning in for Naomi. I will say this, though. I I work in entertainment, particularly like superhero branded entertainment every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on the weekends. I did not see any press whatsoever for this show. I did not see any reviews. I did not see any promotions. I did not see any trailers. I did not see anything for this throughout the duration that this was on. So kind of have to wonder if they ever believed in it to begin with, because they certainly, and by they, I mean the CW did not help getting this show out to the right people. Mm -hmm. I learned today that it exists (laughs) (laughs) right now. (laughs) What was that, John? I think the only press I ever saw for it was the advertisement in the back of the comics. Yeah. I think the CW yeah. is closing up this Arrowverse, though, because Flash ends next season. They canceled Batwoman. They canceled um, uh, Legends. Uh, Le- Legend, Legends. Mm-hmm. I think right now they got another they're, they got another Stargirl coming out this summer, and then that could wrap. And then they have, they're launching that uh, Gotham Knights show, too. I think all of this ends up on Ma- HBO Max. Yeah. I could see Naomi finding a new life on HBO Max. Um, I think the CW is closing up shop. I don't. I don't foresee it going forward. Much. Have longer. they actually named the Flash as wrapping up? Yeah, they said next season is going to be a shortened end. I, oh. I, I think because uh, what's his name? The um, Grant Gustin. No, the guy from Rent. Uh, oh, Jerry. Oh, uh, oh God. Where's just Joey when you time. need him? I know. Yeah, um, I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. He, Iris's dad. Yeah, he's leaving the show. And, and Jesse you already, Martin. You're, Jesse Martin, thank yeah. you. Um, I just think the CW is starting to close up this this yeah. little corner. It's expensive and to they, produce these shows. Not movie expensive, but expensive yeah. as opposed to putting on some stupid reality television program that'll cost them nothing. Like, this is not a reflection on the show. And, and please... Take my opinion with a grain of salt on this stuff because I do not watch the CW stuff. But 
they needed to old yeller Grant Gustin a long time ago for the Flash. <laughs> Dude could not be less interested in playing that role anymore. At least that's the impression that he's given me, particularly when I saw him uh, present at DC Fandom. I will never forget just the the dead look in his eyes and listlessness of him reading from those cue cards. He was the epitome of, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this anymore. So contractual obligations are what they are. But um, I would not be surprised if he is more than ready to move on from that role. And meanwhile, people are calling for him to replace Ezra Miller in the movie. Never going to happen. That movie is already done. Uh, same thing with Amber Heard. Her her role might be reduced in the movie, but she's still in that movie. So, yeah, maybe use your energy somewhere else. We have bigger concerns in this world than those two working. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it doesn't matter. Yeah, except for just them, and then maybe we can leave them alone. Um. <laughs> all right. Let's. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. I see it every damn day. Um. All right. Let's move on. Before I say the wrong thing, um, Marvel's Voices Pride Number One uh, are introducing a new hero character named Escapade. So uh, this is coming from AIP Apt Apt AIPT. I have no idea what that stands for. They're coming up more and more in these stories as we cover them. Uh, Marvel Comics has revealed the new mutant will be introduced in Marvel's Voices Pride number one, called Escapade. Created by Charlie Jane Anders and drawn by Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, with colors by Tamara Bonvillon. Uh, Fans can find out more about this character on June 22nd when the comic is released. Unfortunately, pre-orders for this uh, will already be up. Uh, by the time that we drop this podcast, but hopefully you got yours in, or at least when the issue does come out, go to your LCS and help support this or buy it online or however you get your comics. Uh, it is important, in my opinion, to show Marvel that we are interested in this stuff and that they should make more efforts to create these characters and print these characters and share these characters with their fans. Uh, the 20 page adventure in Marvel's voices, pride number one will introduce escapade and reveal her career as a superhero thief, as well as explore her life as a trans mutant in the Marvel universe. Uh, it's the beginning of escapade saga as she becomes entangled with the X-Men and a deadly prophecy uh, is unveiled in her future. Sounds awesome to me. You shouldn't get entangled with the X-Men, though. That gets you in trouble. Yeah, mm. they can bring you back. No, that's true. You're good. That's true. <laughs> I like the character design. I yeah, like that's hair. a cool look. Yeah, for sure. Reminds me of a couple of things. Kind of reminds Not- me of Firestar, the, or the original Firestar, with the, the, color, yeah. the color in the red hair and the yellow. I could see that, man. She's got this, like, April O'Neil... Oh, jumpsuit yeah. thing yeah, going on. Maybe that's it. From the like yeah, April. from the cartoon. Yep, that's it. Yeah, there's something with the with the jacket too. All right, yeah, this is tripping me out. This looks cool. Um, so yeah, so this is part of uh the Marvel Pride number one, uh coming out in June. So definitely check that out. This is exciting. Um, let me see what else do we got here. We got a um some kind of like mysterious. Amazing Spider-Man well, yeah, announcement. It's not mysterious. It's Spidey's anniversary. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what it is? Years. Yeah, 60 years this summer. All right. I didn't read any of this, so it's a mystery to me. 1962. <laughs> Do you guys want to handle no, this, or should it. I should I read? Go for it. We'll have fun. All right. Um, <laughs> acclaimed author Neil Gaiman headlines an all-star cast of creators taking part in the possible uh, The Amazing Spider-Man project for Marvel Comics, yada, yada, yada. Prepare for something amazing. Oh, how clever. Uh, coming Friday. Oh, full announcement coming Friday, May 13th. That's already happened. Um, man, a bunch of names on this. Jonathan Hickman, uh, Kurt Busick, Jim Chung, Oliver Coipel, Michael Cho, Terry Dodson, O.G. Anderson, Dan Slott. There's a lot of people on this. There's a ton of people on this, actually. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Falcone, Rainbow Raul. Uh, who else do we got on here? And that looks to be it. Uh, Armando Iannucci. And uh, I have I'm so out of touch with all the Spider-Man stuff. I read Spider-Punk number one a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. There's another issue that coming out this week. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel anything for this. Like, it's definitely an impressive list of creators, but it's- I just I haven't been able to hold on to Spider-Man for any length of time for the last couple of years. Mm. So I really enjoyed um, the the Amazing Spider-Man that just came out a couple weeks ago. This stuff happening. This book feels, <laughs> yeah. This book feels like it's going to be like a a ten dollar eighty page Spider-Man oh, yeah. book with these char- yeah. these artists and writers doing like seven to ten pages mm-hmm. each. I don't. I don't. I, this isn't going to be some major ongoing or anything. This is going to be like one of their celebratory books that they do every now and then and it it might have some great stories in it and it might have some some okay stuff but hey let's celebrate spider-man it's an important character indeed all right uh it's funny joey made us add this to the outline and then uh we kicked him off the show (laughs) they dropped um uh, a new a new a full trailer for the boys season three is coming out Woo-hoo. uh and yes. yeah surprise surprise it looks gnarly and violent and biting <laughs> and all of the Messy. all the things yeah yeah all the adjectives that you would use to describe the boys um it's like homelander is kind of losing it losing it a little bit and he's he's kind of going through some things i think that he he really screwed himself up when he does. He 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 makes one major kill in, at the end of season one that has kind of had rippling effects uh, on his psyche for the last little while, and I think that that stuff is coming home to roost. And so he does some soul searching. Well, then in this dating a true Nazi is not also very good. For oh him. yeah, that'll always you know that'll always straighten you right out. Yep. You're killing, um, stealing Billy's wife, and yeah, no, he's he's made some poor decisions. Let's just be honest. But I didn't know how much I missed this show until I watched this. I can't wait for June third. One, I'm on summer vacation. Two, I get the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Um, did you watch the Boys Diabolical, the animated anthology? No. Should I? Oh yes. Okay. Yes, you absolutely should. It was actually really good. 
It was really good. I did a junket for it, and I was like, yeah. It's like, I guess I'll check this out. And I was pleasantly surprised by it. Every episode is worth watching. Some are better than others, just like any other kind of anthology show. But overall, mm-hmm. they're really quick, and it's they're all very unique, and okay. they're it's a lot of fun. I think you'll really love it. Okay, I'll go give it a watch sometimes. It's funny. I did not enjoy the boys' comic book. <laughs> that I mean, I enjoyed like the beginning, but then it just wore on me. The Garth Ennis shtick wore on me. I love this show. I don't know from the first season to the second season with the whale. Oh my god, I love every minute of this. I have not seen season two. I'm probably gonna try. I'm gonna try to get caught oh. up before season three drops. Um, I watched all of season one. I enjoyed it enough. Uh, I find it hard to watch things when I don't have somebody to root for, and there's not there's not a whole lot to root for in that Huey. show. It's just kind of indulgent and fun. What? We Huey. Huey is the yeah. only redeeming and Mother's Milk. Yeah, but he's he's the man now. He's like he's Butcher's boss in the third season. Mm. He has to report to him. He, Dude, well, he's working I, I for the man. I can't tell you until you watch season two. Ah, uh, he's all suited up in the trailer. He's got this shit-eating grin on his face. I know what he's all about. I don't think you do. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, the boys season three coming at you real soon. Uh, I don't know that they're dropping it all at once. I think they're dropping two it, episodes at the start, yeah. and then it'll be weekly. Yeah, they so, did that last with the last season. Yeah, you won't be able to get your full fix. All summer long, baby. Boys, all summer. They're going give, to give you a taste. Take it away from you. Um, all right, I just threw this in here at the last minute because I want everybody to know that the Cocaine Bear movie <laughs> is getting has got a release date. So if you don't know the story of the cocaine bear, uh, a cocaine bear is a 175-pound black bear in the Chattahoochee National Forest. Uh, The nearby was a duffel bag that had originally contained roughly 75 pounds of cocaine. And cocaine bear got his paws on it. The rest is history. I just the only reason I threw this on here is because <laughs> Cocaine Bear totally sounds like one of those comics like Grizzly Shark or Grizzly uh, Bear Man. <laughs> yeah, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Bob, help me out here. Oh, uh, what the hell? Oh my god. Wait, yeah. Grizzly Shark, what's the other one? Bear-chested Shark Fighter, whatever. No, there, whatever. there's Grizzly Bear Man and then there was No, it was Grizzly Grizzly Shark, and then, oh my God, why am I blanking on this? I don't know. Figure it out later. This is based on a true story. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) My God. Anyway, it's coming out in, uh, I believe it's February of next year. So we got a we got a while. Um, I want to see if I can find the release date somewhere. It's not, I, I looked up the source article of what the bear did, but X'd out the article when it tells you when this is actually coming out. So good reporting me. Uh, all right. Uh, who stuck this Sandman thing in here? I did. Uh, I of course up. you did. I did. Well, it's not just and Sandman. What do you think? It's not just Sandman. It's the, uh, um, all right. Netflix, uh, what are they calling it? Geeked Week 2022, yes. where they're going to release, I guess, a bunch of new 
footage and stuff about all their new shows coming up. Yep. Stranger Things, um, Umbrella Academy. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Almost here. Um, and the Sandman. Did you guys watch this video? Because there's like really nice footage in watched- here of the Sandman. I watched it on mute and it was only, I think it was maybe a GIF. It was like 14 seconds long. It wasn't long at all. Uh, no, there's multiple shots of the Sandman in this. Oh, okay. Yeah, including a really great shot of Gwendolyn Christie at the end as, um, uh, you know, to, to Lucifer. Ooh. All right, that's the that's the clip that I saw with the black wings and everything. Um, yeah. She's actually in white. Yeah. All in white Did at you the see- end. Did you see Gaiman on Twitter? Yes. Someone like this comment. Someone tweeted like, "This is not my Lucifer," and Gaiman replies, "Not my problem." <laughs> <laughs> Shirtless bear fighter. Yeah. yeah, I said that. Okay. Okay. We <laughs> good. <laughs> I think that's the first thing I said. I thought you said shark wrestler or no, something like that. Shirtless bear fighter. Shark and man. Grizzly shark. Okay. <laughs> I might have said anyway, bear fighter. I might have. Co- I might have messed up. Cocaine bear coming to an independent comic label near you. <laughs> uh, Sandman. I man. I still haven't read Sandman. Oh. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make. I know. Look. I know. You built I it. I thought up I so knew you. <laughs> Listen. I'm. I'm. I'm a disappointment to many. I take about. I take is, back all my comments about us reading the same books. <laughs> oh wow taking it back i'm pretty Burned. sure i've probably spent the last six years telling you to read the sandman steve you and everyone else <laughs> Melissa, get in line anyway i will i will read it one day by next week really <laughs> next week <laughs> okay <laughs> good luck no, I don't have time. I don't have time. I have a I have a new script to write. I don't have any time for comics this week. But I'm sure buying a whole hell of a lot of them. Uh, unless somebody else wants to comment on uh, the Sandman footage that no one else saw. There, I. It does look very. It does look very cool. I'm a little. They're really metering out the content for that show. I know that they, that COVID really screwed them up, but I feel like that thing has been in production for an eternity. Yeah. Do you not agree? They won't give an exact date yet, but they are still claiming it's going to be 2022. Um, All right. I will listen. I will happily tune in for that day one for sure. There's there's just so many cool, (laughs) there's just so many cool shows coming. Have you seen the the new Resident Evil TV series? I think that looks pretty cool. I did see that. It does look cool. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot better than that last movie they yeah. put out. Woof. You know? Did you see that movie? Uh, the new one? I did not the, see the Welcome last one. Welcome to Raccoon City? I love the, the first Resident Evil movie, and I stuck with it till for about three movies, and then I gave up. Because I just kept <laughs> getting worse you, with Melissa, everyone. If you want an exercise in futility. I don't. <laughs> watch welcome to raccoon city that movie is heinous it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad in a in a good way but also in a really really bad way it's a bad movie it's a it'll make you question everything you know has anybody tried life. the dmz tv series joey did joey did what do you say about it he, said it was okay. he was actually really enjoying it, yeah. and then they and then they killed it off, and he was pissed. Mm. 
Yeah. I was thinking so about trying it, it, but I didn't realize that it was already killed off. So they, oh yeah, they're no, announcing these cancellations like so early, and like they drop it, then they cancel it. It's like, why do I want to watch it yeah. if I know this is it? Yeah, yeah I was burned rough. with Why the Last Man, so I don't yeah. want to jump on a series if I know that it's not going to come back. Um, oh, wait, there was one more story that we absolutely should talk about. Uh, I just want to bring up the source article here. Uh, actually, maybe it'll be easier to find it from my own article. Ooh. In the meantime, I saw Doctor Strange, too, and Ooh. I didn't get to listen to your episode yet about Doctor Strange, but I loved it. Yeah. Horror movie, I Doctor really Strange. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. It was good. Um, Doctor Who. So this this one oh, yeah. this one's for Aaron putting this up there, uh, and a little bit for me too because I've been singing the praises of Heartstopper for the last little while. Heartstopper's Yasmin Finney is going to be uh, joining Nakuti Gatwa and David Tennant mm-hmm. and uh, Catherine Tate, Donna Noble. For an upcoming 60th anniversary season of Doctor Who, Finney is playing Rose somehow, uh, who will be familiar to fans of Russell T. Davies' original turn as Doctor Who's showrunner. So um, if you have not watched Hardstopper yet, what are you doing? Uh, Finney played Elle in the series. Absolutely wonderful actress. Uh, her first major role in anything for Heartstopper and then moving right along to Doctor Who. Absolutely amazing. Um, so last week, I kind of sort of misspoke when I said that uh, Gawa was in line to he's the first black male to play the doctor. That doesn't include the fugitive doctor right. uh, from the previous season. However, uh, Finney is also the first transgender actor to play one of the Doctor's companions on the long-running series. However, there was a uh, transgender uh, actor who had participated in the Doctor Who... Um, oh, God. Uh, the radio play thing that they did. It's called... Uh, the audio series called Stranded, and that was uh, Tanya Bell. Okay. Who played that? Who played? Uh, no, Rebecca Root played companion Tanya Bell. Thank you. Sorry, my mistake. I was reading too fast. I got really excited. Um, I absolutely love Yasmin Finney, and I'm I'm very 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 stoked to see her moving on to Doctor Who. That is that is an incredible move to go from your very first. Netflix series being picked out of the ether because you are that impressive and then getting noticed like that and, and brought on to such a beloved franchise as Dr. Who is an incredible achievement. And I, I was already super interested in, in watching this. We went out and we bought all the stuff that we were missing so that we could get caught up. And now I'm just even more jazzed. Uh, after seeing Finney and, and Heartstopper and knowing that they're going to be going on to this, uh, it's really incredible, and it's a it's a you know it's a nice thing to see, and we need we need more of it. So that is my two cents. Does anybody uh, anybody else want to comment on this? Super um, exciting! Yeah, yeah. 
This or, is great. I, I love the casting. I love the the push that they're making with Doctor Who. And I wasn't really, I wasn't, I, having Russell T. Davies come back, originally I didn't feel like this is going to be great. But if he's going to push the boundaries like this, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Melissa, did you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, the David Tennant era of Doctor Who was the last Doctor Who era that I really felt invested in. So mm-hmm. um, I'm excited for both, you know, the writing. I'm excited for to see that David Tennant come back. Um, Aaron and I and Carolyn have actually, and Hugh, have all been talking about this all day today. So Aaron is well aware. <laughs> <laughs> We've had an ongoing conversation about it. Um, and um, the actor who's playing Doctor Who, please remind me of his name. Nakuti Gawa. Yes, he's amazing. He is, um, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of sex education, and he was one of my yes. favorite actors. So yes. I think he's amazing, and I'm so excited to see him be Doctor Who. I love him in that show. I keep forgetting how long sex education has been around, because I keep thinking of him as, like, the kid actor. Not kid actor, but you know what I mean. Like, the young adult actor and then thinking of him coming onto this, I forget that he's he's aged by several years since he first came onto the scene. And then all of a sudden, there's this like man ass man <laughs> staring back at me in front of the TARDIS, and I'm just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, all right, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm down for this. So we're gonna we might yeah, have to go back and give Doctor Who another try. Yeah, I love I love the Matt Smith uh, era yeah. of Doctor Who. That was some of my favorite stuff, and. Um, I mean, I don't, I I honestly like the showrunner thing is like, me. I can't say it's neither here nor there for me. I just, I want to be excited for Doctor Who and to have it stick. I feel like everybody was really excited for the Jodie Whittaker stuff to start. And there were aspects of it that were great. And it was certainly not her fault that she wasn't given the best material to work with, but there just always seemed to be a bit of a, of a letdown for some of the later uh, who stuff. And it would really be nice to see them get that energy back. And I think with making so many bold moves Mm -hmm. in terms of casting or bringing back fan favorite characters, however, they're going to participate in this coming up with like this interesting twist of Rose coming back as a different actor in a different capacity. Like, how is that going to work? Yeah. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated and curious and like energized to, to go back and, and dive in again. And um, like I said, uh, Yasmin's performance in, in Heartstopper is just fantastic. And they need to renew that show like yesterday because <laughs> I need more of it. It's so, it's such a dopamine uh, inducing show. I love it. Kuti is apparently right. in the new Barbie movie too. I didn't yep. realize that. Everybody's in that movie. Marco Roby. Yep, that movie's going to be crazy. Simu Liu is in there. Uh, Ryan Gosling is in that. We've been through this. Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach. All right, <laughs> um, let's <laughs> let's let's wrap this up here. Um, b- Bob, can you please tell me what books you are looking forward to this week? Next to nothing but Catwoman forty three and Fantastic Four number forty three. Hey, all right. John, what are you getting? Uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number three. Batman, The Night, five. Catwoman, Nightwing, 92. Eternals, 12. Fantastic Four, 43. Immortal X-Men, two. 
Thor 25, and X-Men Red 2. Ah, I got you beat. Right. <laughs> Melissa, I Melissa, I, are I you nothing. picking anything up? I got nothing. Really? I'm never prepared for this section. I'm sorry. Bolero. Bolero. Bolero, Bolero you, number five. Bolero. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I believe Bolero is either a five or a six uh, issue series. So uh, for me, I got a big ass pull list this week. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to maybe have to make some cuts. Uh, Batman, the night number five, Batman, Superman, world's finest. Number three, Catwoman, number 43 duo. Number one, Nightwing, number 92. I believe duo is part of milestone. Milestone, So I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to get in there. Uh, Fantastic Four number 43, Immortal X-Men number two, John. Yay, Steve. I read Immortal X-Men number one last night. And did you love it? It was a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a hoot. <laughs> it was. It was a hoot. Um, we've got Savage Avengers number one coming out from uh, from David Pepos there. Might have uh, something extra special to celebrate that next week. Uh, Silk number five, Spider-Punk number two. Second uh, issue of Alice Ever After is coming out. Going to definitely check that out. Bolero, number five. House of Slaughter, number six. A book called I Hate This Place, number one. (laughs) Rain, number five. And Slumber, number three. That was the other book that I was going to recommend to you, Melissa, um, from Image Comics, a book called Slumber. It is about a agency that goes into your dreams to kill your nightmares. Hmm. It's really, they hook you up to a machine and they like open a door inside your head and go in there with shotguns and oh. shit. And they, they kill your nightmares. It's really good. It's really, it's like a murder mystery uh, type of thing. It's neat. It's got some weird rules to it. I like it. There you go. That's on my list too. Uh, see? <laughs> I have a list. Helping you out. Helping you out. Um. Yeah, that's going to do it for my books. Uh, does anybody have any closing statements? Anything they want to share? Nope. Fantastic. Uh, I can't think of anything. I usually have something. I don't think I have anything this week. <laughs> um, Melissa, yeah. thank you for joining us this thank week. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I always love coming and spending fun. time with you guys. Even when Joey disappears halfway through the show, I still have fun. Oh, that's why he really left. He's <laughs> like, oh no, guys, I'm, I'm losing you. Oh, these thunderstorms are coming in. And be like, didn't they pass you a couple hours ago? No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. They're still here. We're going to see pictures on uh, Instagram of him at some show. <laughs> yeah, some playbill in his hand in his lap. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, like I said, uh, next week we uh, we might have something cool going on. We'll see if everything works out. Uh, in the meantime, and this is no lie, some stuff is happening with the website uh, as of this afternoon. So that should be up and running relatively soon. Uh, beyond that, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always. You can send us your comments or your questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Feel free to email us. We love to read them. We love to be asked questions. Uh, If you're listening to this on Spotify, 
Spotify has a relatively new rating system where you can give people stars for how much you like their podcast. So why don't you go and uh, rate us over there on Spotify? That would be nice. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Uh, and that's it. Where, Bob, where can our listeners Old find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Huzzah. Uh, Joey is at Joey Bricino. John. John P. Burkle. Aaron is at Aaron J. Amos and Melissa. I am at Lista Punch on Twitter. And where is your salon located? And what's the <laughs> name of it? My salon is called Chroma and it's in New Paltz, New York. Awesome. I will one of these days. I oh, will yeah, get yeah, my yeah. hair done. Wow. <laughs> is my money not good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you know the tip that I would leave for you? You have to come first before. Oh, oh pish tosh! Details, oh. details. He says as right. he moves out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get my haircut one day. <laughs> <laughs> I am at dead underscore anchorus. If you want to find me online, so for spider Bob, mouth, spider mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, John. To the danger zone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> for Melissa. Ciao, baby. And for me, stay, uh, be excellent to each other. Stay cool. Yeah, the heat's coming. It's summer. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Talking Comics podcast. <laughs> to be continued. It was 90 degrees here last oh. week. Uh, Steve, you old man. <laughs> Stay cool, it's getting hot out there, kids. Listen, I have Hey fun. little whippersnappers. Get the hole, I'll get the garden hose out. <laughs>
Yes. I play I have, VR I almost daily, and I do not want to feel anything in my mouth when I'm playing VR. <laughs> You're going to open up a whole new world to the cloistered out there. Oh, Look, yep. aside from the sexy time things, I don't <laughs> want that for a real video game. Spiders in my mouth, Ew. drowning, Yo, that's okay. awful. Listen to this. The different demos shown in the Future Interfaces group's video includes walking through cobwebs in a forest Mm -mm. before being covered in spider venom, drinking from a water fountain, sipping coffee, smoking a cigarette, brushing your teeth, and riding a motorbike with different sensations being used to emulate each experience. And they have a mock-up of Zuckerberg in Ready Player One. (laughs) Oh, this is great. This is what we're this is what we're doing. Uh, this is what we're spending our time on. So you can so you can feel spiders in your mouth when you're playing video can games. Can you stop saying R&D spiders in your mouth, please? Can, <laughs> can we, we just not show? say that again? <laughs> All right, let's do a show. Please. <laughs>